Hello and welcome back. I'm Dr. Nicola and this is Aspen Talks Health. Today I'm joined by Dr. Christina Miller. She is a traditional MD turned integrative medicine doctor and she's the founder of a very informative website called eatandlivehealthfully.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's such a pleasure. Everyone I've asked for a referral has asked to have you on the show. Oh, so that's nice. I'm grateful that you're here. Um, your message is that our bodies want to heal and to never give up. Talk to us about that and tell how it relates to your journey. Yeah, thank you. Um, so my own journey is that I was working in the emergency room um, as an emergency physician, and I began to get sick myself with autoimmune issues, joint pains, pain with breathing, rashes, fevers, just not feeling well. I took my medications and um, thought that that was how it was going to be for the rest of my life. And that's what I was told, and it continued to progress. I continued to worsen, and I didn't know that there was any way my body could heal. How, how could I know that? And I started Googling and looking up um, lupus, autoimmune diseases, nutrition, lifestyle, and all of a sudden I came up with a lot of information about how people are healing chronic illness, which was brand new to me. So I flew all over the country, went to conferences, met with different physicians, different, different healers, all sorts of people. I trained myself in nutrition, lifestyle medicine, integrative medicine, functional medicine, everything I could learn. And I began to realize that so much that we put into our bodies from the food to our thoughts to the environment, there's stressors on our body. And when we remove those stressors, the inflammation starts to go down and our bodies recover. Just like when we cut ourselves, if someone comes to the ER to see me and they have a cut, it's going to heal. We know that no matter what age we are, as our skin ages, it still will heal. Our insides of our bodies can heal too if we let them. So that's my new message to people. I love it. What's the difference between integrative and the other forms of uh, medicine? It's all kind of blurred, so yeah. we don't really need to hang our hats on any of that. But Functional, that was it. Yeah, functional and lifestyle medicine. Um, so integrative medicine is kind of came about with integrating um, Eastern medicine modalities, so like nutrition, food as medicine, and acupuncture, and yoga, and meditation, herbs. That's kind of Eastern medicine, traditional, that's been around for years and years, right? And then Western medicine, which is what we know here in the United States, with all these wonderful medications and procedures and everything that we have here to, you know, antibiotics, so we don't get die of simple infections anymore. So integrating the best of both worlds is, is sort of integrated medicine. It's also taken to mean integrating the care of different um, health care providers. So whether that be your MD, a rheumatologist, or, or a family practice doctor, or your acupuncturist, or your chiropractor, or different modalities. So integrating all the different care. So that's integrative medicine. Functional medicine is very similar, and it's almost... I mean, it's very similar, but it's the idea of getting to the root cause of disease. So it does a lot of lab testing, and it might look at genetics or you know why you have the why you, I even got an autoimmune disease in the first place. Maybe it's toxins, maybe it's a previous infection, and then working to remove that, treat the cause. Very similar, and then lifestyles using food as medicine and stress reduction and sleep. Again, all the they're all using all of them, sort of. So. Yeah, it, they're similar. <laughs> I like getting to the root cause mm -hmm. and then integrating all of the different 
because it's mind, body, and spirit, right? It's, yeah. It is a full, it sounds cliche, but it really is those three components. It is for sure. And for me, I made these huge dietary changes, but I still wasn't better. I was still working night shifts in the ER. I was still stressed out. I was so worried about my health and I wasn't getting better. And I saw other people had healed and I was like, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to do more? So I really had to delve into the mind-body work and work on my own stress levels and take time for yoga and for meditation and so many of these new tricks, I call them, these Jedi mind tricks to calm myself down that have worked so well for me now. So, yep, it's mind, body, spirit. Love it. We're going to get into those uh, details, the tricks, shortly. <laughs> but first, um, what are some of the causes of autoimmune disease? Yeah, well, first of all, my rheumatologist told me that they don't know. And it's just, it's either hereditary or they don't know. It just happens. Idiopathic, we call it. Um, but first of all, in my family, no one else has lupus or any autoimmune diseases. So that's what the first thing that made me think, maybe this isn't genetic. Turns out genetics probably only plays about a 10% role in autoimmune disease, meaning we have the genes for it, but whether it actually manifests depends on how we live our lives, right? And so um, other causes or contributing factors, it's almost like you add them to a barrel. So my genetics are in there in the bottom of the barrel, but that's not enough to cause an autoimmune disease. So you start adding these other factors and when the barrel gets full, your toxic load is too high, boom, it dumps over and there's your autoimmune disease. So you're lowering your toxic load. So other contributing are diet, probably number one. So much processed foods, um, high animal pro products, dairy, food intolerances, all of this is definitely going to contribute to it. Um, and then in addition to diet, toxins from the environment, so what we breathe in, how our water is, our home environment, our work environment, breathing the diesel trucks as they drive past, like all that can contribute. Um, so that previous viral infections, um, previous medications or antibiotics are known to be tr uh, triggers for autoimmune disease. Um, so yeah, there's, and others too, but there's, oh, heavy metals and molds yeah. that goes in the environment. Those have been linked to diabetes as well. Is that right? The mold and yeah. fungus has been linked yeah. to um, triggering di well, diabetes. Well, diabetes type 1 is an autoimmune disease too, so mm -hmm. it links, the thing with autoimmune diseases is that they're, just like we think of cancer, we don't think of autoimmune disease as one big entity. We think of it as lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, diabetes type 1, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. But we don't realize that they're all autoimmune, and right. they all respond to similar, I mean, slight varies, yeah. but similar type treatments, yeah. we can all improve, just like you've learned on your own journey. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's just the way your body breaks down. Yeah. So when, you're, when your barrel or your cup is overflowing, it's it, the weakest link in your yeah. body is how you the disease that manifests. Exactly. I've heard also that uh, wheat is a cause yep. because the gliadin is a protein in wheat that will attach to the beta pancreas cells that produce insulin, tag them as an antigen, and then your immune system comes in and takes them out as if it's the enemy, those yep. cells. That's exactly right. And uh, wheat and gluten is something that I definitely have had to remove, and I work with my patients to remove it too. Right, um, and casein and milk does the same. Yep, milk especially for diabetes, but also for lupus as well and thyroid disease. Yep, fascinating. I huh? know, isn't it? It's so interesting. The power of food when we remove it. That's again, yeah, that's where we start to heal ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then incorporating the mind body, the mind spirit, which Absolutely. we'll get to. But um, what is the difference between curing and healing? Yeah, so I always say I help people heal, and I have healed, but I haven't helped. I don't cure disease. So cure is like totally take it away. The disease is gone. You're cured. And I don't know that I have that ability to do that. But healing is where 
are we come to a state where we we've done ev we're doing everything we can we're improving we're no longer stressed out and crying every day we've come to a, a nice happy state we accept things that are and we've changed so many things that that um, were sick or wrong with us in the first place so people can heal and not have re fully reversed their disease but they're at a much better place and many of them are reversing so I never know but I see people getting better and it's always amazing to me so that's yeah. what healing is so I definitely like to say I'm healing I help people heal I don't cure anyone I love it how is the body designed to heal the body's designed to repair ourselves. So mm -hmm. again, just like when we cut ourselves on the outside, it can it brings in blood flow and it brings in the cells needed to repair itself. Same thing when our, our guts are inflamed, which is how so many autoimmune diseases start with our guts. Our bodies can heal it with the right nutrients, taking away anything that's causing inflammation. And that can be tricky because people are unique. Besides gluten and dairy, as you pointed out, there's individual things. So when we remove some of these food triggers for that are individual for people, we start to get healing there. So um, our bodies, they want to be in a state of homeostasis where it's happy and everything's humming and healed and right doesn't that sound yeah. so good yeah. so when we do these right things for ourselves that's what we're trying to achieve I love it I've heard that fasting and intermittent fasting what I've studied is that by not consuming food your body directs the enzymes that would go to digesting directs those to healing to repairing the cells and cleaning out the toxins, things like that. So uh, I've found personally intermittent fasting has been incredibly helpful to keep my blood sugar stable mm -hmm. and my energy up. So um, when I stop eating around five or six, and then I can start after my workout around nine or 10, my blood sugars you see is flat like this. Interesting. Yeah, and if I have a late dinner, like 8 p.m., you see a spike and then it goes down because I've taken insulin to cover it, but then I'll still wake up high again. Interesting, yeah. yeah. So it helped, that helped me significantly. It's extra interesting for you. I'm a fan of fasting too, and I do that as well, and it does. It, our bodies repair when we're not eating. The energy instead of digesting goes to repairing and cleaning our housekeeping. So I 100% agree with what you just said. It's extra interesting for you though because of your diabetes. Yeah. Because so many diabetics think they can't fast or we have to be careful with them or their sugars are all over the place and they don't eat and they've tr pre-treated too much insulin. And so yeah. the fact that you get such good benefits, that's extra impressive. So I hope everyone listening knows that yeah. it can be done and it works. So Yeah, and, and, and I don't think you have to be a diabetic because other people are having these insulin spikes. For I'm sure. just not producing the insulin, so I see the actual curve. For sure. We all, I think most people are. And our bodies are designed to have a circadian rhythm, so we're designed to eat earlier in the day. And so the, our insulin, our pancreas is actually better at making insulin and producing it and it's actually more sensitive earlier in the day for sure so if you eat the same meal later in the day or earlier in the day you're going to get an insulin spike in the evening so all of us should be stopping earlier yeah and it really helps autoimmune people really seem to do well with it i know myself it's made a difference and i work with my patients to do a similar idea so mm -hmm. nice on that note how do you help your patients to heal yeah, it's it's hard. It can be hard. I mean, you you know too, and and it's been hard for me. It's not been perfect. I had a terrible diet, and I had such a busy life, and so much stress and responsibility. And so, I help people with teaching them the information about 
what it takes. And um, we do blood work as needed to help find the, get to the root cause, ch help change the diet. And that can be definitely difficult for each of us. We have foods that we love and foods that we we're taught were good and we can't understand why we can't eat them anymore. So I wanna show them the data and I love to show them people who have healed, people who have improved and gotten their lives back. And so that's always inspiring. It helps me as well. So work with my patients for that. And, um, and then we get into the mind-body and the stress piece and, and the sleep piece and movement piece. So putting that all together with them. And I see them either in groups or one-on-one -on -one sessions to help people achieve their goals. Nice. All right, mm -hmm. let's talk about that now then. Um, so what are some of the mind-body tricks? Yeah. Um, for, there's a lot of different ones because people are different, right? So I'll, I work with people in town who um, they don't want to go to yoga. They don't want to meditate. Maybe they're lawyers or they're high-end business people, and that's not for them, right? And so um, for people like that, we will do um, things like heart math or bioelectrics where we can you can kind of you can get little apps for this now and you can see their heart rate and you can see your respiratory rate and you can see that it's erratic and that you're getting too much sympathetic stimulation from too much stress the more stress and negative thoughts we have the more sympathetic stimulation we have and the more erratic heart rate the more the smaller the heart rate variability and all of this goes along with chronic illness um, when I first hooked myself up it was a mess my heart rate variability is very short like it was exactly what it shouldn't have been so yeah. I clearly was stressed and just by taking deep slow breaths you can see it begin to come into a nice normal pattern so some people I'll work on that with them because that's what it might take to get them to realize that whoa maybe I do need to slow down just a little bit but for most people I do things just like simple deep breaths breathing in for five count and out for five count and in for five count, and out for five count. And just doing that a couple minutes in the morning, a couple minutes at night, so it doesn't take very long. Even one minute, people will start to notice a difference. But the thing with these mind-body tricks, they have to be done regularly. It's a practice, it's not do it, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. <sighs> like, you wanna do it every day, and what it does is it builds this reserve so that when something stressful happens, you can kind of stay, take a step back. You don't become reactive. You don't freak out the same way. Your mind still can be clear to think instead of being like, oh my God, and mm -hmm. get to that moment, that phase. So I love yoga personally, but that's just me. So it is a great tool if people like it. Uh, meditation's a great tool. And there's so many visual, um, where they guide or guided, guided visualizations um, for med meditation now. So for people who say they have the monkey mind, it's just a good way to get them into a quiet place. So that, there's so much evidence on that. Mindfulness, just being present in the moment. Um, so yeah, I have probably about 15 different tricks and I, I kind of introduce them to people and everybody has to choose what works for them because what works for me won't work for you, won't work for my next patient. Right. So we're all gonna be unique. I think starting in the morning with both of those, the mindfulness and the breathing, sets you up for the day. So my practice with mindfulness is I'll have my grapefruit. I start my day with grapefruit, and I'll smell it oh, first before that. eating it. And really like take a deep breath and get all my senses aligned with it, and then really experience eating every bite. Um, and then the meditation, I think a lot of people see it as uh, they, they can't because they, the, their thoughts don't stop, but if you could see it instead as a practice of your thoughts come in and you remind yourself to gently go back to breath again. Mm -hmm. And if you, as you practice that, then it becomes easier throughout the day. You have a, a trigger and you remind yourself to breathe. Mm -hmm. It's just practicing it. It's so true. And 
there are days that my own monkey mind, I can't get myself quite, so I'll do a kind of a different, something different that day. But mm. that time, when you can achieve just quiet in your head, it's it's really sweet. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so it really is nice. And I love your mindfulness trick uh, with the grapefruit. That's, I love that. Yeah. It helps. And there's also, yeah, the, but the guided, for people who are really struggling, the guided mm -hmm. meditations are so easy. You mm -hmm. just listen, and you can listen. Mm -hmm. It's easy. <laughs> and there's so many other things on the list. So music, yeah. music is a form of meditation. So people who just love to play music, if you like to dance, it's wonderful um, to be moving your body with the music. And creativity is a wonderful time to get yourself away from all the outside stressors and create whatever that means, whether that's drawing, whether that's painting or sculpting or writing poetry or writing a letter to your kit or whatever it mm -hmm. is. Creative time is so good for us too. So there's so many different things, but we're all so busy being busy that we're like, oh, I don't have time to do that, right? I gave up on poems I used to write. And so now I realize that's the most important thing I could do. I'm like going back to writing my poems. So I always ask my patients uh, what they did each day. What, you know, it's their assignment. And they're like, so they can't be too busy. That's, there's no time for that. So they have to tell me what they did to relax themselves um, and to calm their minds and their, lower their stress every single day. So, Are there any tricks for dealing with ups and downs? And some days you're good. Some days I'm great at my diet, and other days I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feed me. <laughs> First of all, that happens to a lot to all of us. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot. Do you mean my body tricks or like diet tricks? For um, maybe even just the the inner dialogue. You know, yeah. Because we can be so hard on ourselves. Yeah, and that's the first thing is to be kinder to ourselves, learning to love ourselves. Um, I hug myself all the time now, and <laughs> I I'm like. That. I really am trying. I'm really, you know, instead of being like, oh, I'm terrible at this. That wasn't good enough. I look how I look or this or that. Like now I'm like, I did my best. Like that's all I have to offer and I, I'll do better. So that's one is being kind to ourselves. Two, I like to always say, take a step back. So that happens to me too. If I have one little bite of something sweet, we talked about this, like I'll go crazy wanting more sweet. And so if that starts happening to me, I have to take a step back from it and be like, why do I want it? How, um, is it really my brain wanting it or am I hungry or can I have something else right now first, you know, try to put it out of my, so I definitely try to walk myself through those moments, be back, go back to be mindful. Never I do I anymore, anymore, let myself eat while I'm reading on the couch or, or something, which I used to do that all the time, right? I'm reading or I'm working yes. on something and I would, even if it was healthy, I didn't need to do that. And so that always got me wanting to eat more. And so I just do these little, tr I've done these little tricks for myself to help myself not um, want to overeat when I don't need to. That's a good one. I'm a snacker. Mm -hmm. I like constantly I nibbling. Yeah. So many people are. In fact, my patients come in and I'll say, what did you have for breakfast, lunch, dinner? And so many of them say they're snackers. They're not really eating full meals. They're eating throughout the day. And this is one of the worst things we can do for our guts, right? Because when we eat something, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of all of our enzymes are being secreted to digest that food. And then it goes through our, our guts. And then we have to absorb the nutrients and keep moving it through and absorb more nutrients, absorb water. And then we're eating already again. And then it's secreting again. It just keeps going. But if we, we're supposed to really eat... And let that process happen, which takes anywhere from three to five hours typically, depending on how much fat, how much fiber we eat. And, and so that should happen, move through our guts before we start eating again. And it's in between eating that we heal our gut lining, right? So we restore the gut lining. It's only one cell thick, and it can get damaged from food and from eating and from these enzymes. It's, it's there to protect us. And so 
by snacking all day, which is totally what I did, it definitely set me up to have gut issues and possibly autoimmune diseases later on in life. So I have had to retrain myself. This has been very difficult for me, and I'm, I know it's hard for my patients out there. So if any of my patients are watching this, I feel with you. It's This can be challenging for those of us who like to snack. But once we break the habit, it's just a habit-forming thing, right? Once I learn to eat my breakfast, eat my lunch, an early, lighter dinner, um, I do feel good. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe I'd never really get the sensation of being full. Yeah. So I keep eating. Oh, interesting. And that might be continuing. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the day, I've consumed way more calories than I really need because yeah. I've never actually got that sensation of like, oof, satisfied. Yeah. And I'm kind of like you. Like, I like that feeling of being satisfied. Mm -hmm. But like they say in, in Japan and Okinawa, it's... I can't remember the saying, habu heruku or something. I can't remember, so I apologize to anyone. Um, please correct me if you guys know it. But it's it's basically eat till you're 80% full and then stop. And we're supposed to not eat till we're stuffed, but I like that feeling of being full too. Yeah. So that's hard for me to do, but I do the best I can, right? And that's what I ask my patients, just to do the best they can. And if their goal is to be healthy, then we work in that direction without expecting perfection. So some days we might eat a little more than we're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> Let's touch a little bit more on food addiction because I think that's a big one out there. People eat for emotions. Yeah. Right? They eat because uh, there was an interesting uh, video I watched. The woman said, finish the sentence, I eat too. And uh, a professional athlete would be to nourish myself yeah. or to feel energy. As someone who's addicted to food might end that with to feel comfort. Yeah, that's so interesting. I eat too. Wow. I got to start asking my patients that. Right? It's a good one. Yeah, it hit me. I eat to feel happy. I yeah. eat when I'm sad. If I there's eat to an not emotion, feel sad. Yeah. Then it might be an addiction. I eat to be social, right? That's a tricky one too. You go to someone's house and they have food there and you feel like you should eat. And I like, we talked about already, I like to eat early dinners. So if I go to someone's house later on, I don't want to eat anymore. Right. But they all bring food, and then they feel bad because I'm not eating, but I don't want to eat that late anymore at night. Right. So it's hard because I want to be social, right? And my patients, too, they like to be social, so we have to work on tricks again to help people not feel like they need to eat too much just to please other people. Or What are the tricks? Well, Become... things like pre-eating or eating an early dinner. You never want to be hungry, right? So if you're going to go out right. later on, if you, as soon as you're hungry, it's going to be really hard. So eat good, healthy, nourishing food. Food is to nourish. And again, I have little uh, post-its. Food is to nourish, to remind myself that. I don't just eat because I have delicious food in my fridge and I want to eat it right now. It's to nourish. And so I tell my patients that, you know, write little affirmations or little reminders of your, to yourself. So uh, if they choose to eat an early dinner, then when they're going out, um, and you could bring like a vegetable tray or something that's not going to be a lot of calories or be very heavy anyway, if you want to kind of contribute or maybe a little fresh fruit. Um, but yeah, to just try to remind yourself that you're going to be social. Yeah, that's what I do. I bring crudite. Mm -hmm. I cut up red peppers, carrots, celery, and I'll bring a little some kind of dip mm -hmm. that I've made. Or, Perfect. Or, um, there's one sauce called bitchin' sauce, and it's fantastic. I think I've had that, actually. It's really tasty. <laughs> Everyone goes crazy over it. But yeah. then at least I'm eating something that I know is... Is, is low calorie and healthy. Yeah, and you want to be lighter at night. You don't want yeah. to eat a high glycemic load um, food at time, that time of night because your insulin, all of our insulins, but maybe especially yours, yeah. but definitely all of us are not going to be as effective. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's important to, like, remember our goals, too. I always tell my patients because it's so easy to come to my office and say, you know, I really want to be healthy. This, this is what's going on. 
we work on a plan, but then, boom, as soon as your friends are going out, it's like gone, right? Suddenly it's more important to be with our friends, which I get it. That happens to me too. It's my own challenges as well. But if I can remember, like, gosh, no, I want to wake up tomorrow and feel good, and that means that I don't want to eat that late at night yeah. um, or eat those, those foods that I know are going to make my autoimmune disease worse, um, if I can remember my purpose, my goal. So, again, those are things that are posted, you know. My goal is to be healthy and live a meaningful life and not be in pain every day. And that means not eating late at night, then so be it, right? My goal is more important than that. So I try to help my patients. And it's funny, some people it works wonderfully and some people struggle and that's how we always are, right? Yeah. We're, we're all different. I have a clicker my coach gave me, Jeff Patterson gave me this clicker and I had to click what I wanted in my life. And so I would say, I choose health. I choose healthy foods today. I yeah. And I kept clicking all day long. I had to do like 500 a day, it was crazy. <laughs> um, but that trained my mind. Interesting. To that, no, I'm choosing healthy. I'm choosing my health. And I clicked it. Yeah, that was one trick. That's a great trick. I yeah. know Jeff Patterson. I should work with him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's wonderful. Yeah. Um, also, a few more tricks for food addic addiction is um, to put down your fork in between bites. I have a tendency to eat, have a bite and then literally be preparing my yeah. next bite. I'm not even aware of the one that's in my mouth. <laughs> so we end up going so much faster. But to put down the fork, then yeah. you really fully chew also. Yeah, and, which right? is so important for digestion. Absolutely. So important. And then you're going to get full mm -hmm. much sooner. That's a great trick. I notice that when I eat with friends, I always eat faster than them. So now my goal is to be the last one eating. <laughs> so I'll watch people eating. And if they have a ton of food on their plate, I have to set it down for like 10 minutes sometimes, like waiting for them to catch up so I can slowly finish my meal. That's a great trick, though. I like that one, too. Be the last one. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And then the other one I uh, thought of is don't buy it. I think it's much easier to resist the temptation at the grocery store than to resist not eating it once it's already at home. For sure. For uh, That's a great tip, too. So most of us will eat eat it if it's at home at some point. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because then the food, the craving is more yeah. intense. I know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> There's um, a, a food addiction questionnaire from um, a PhD, Susan Pierce Thompson, who had pretty bad food addictions herself. And you can find her online. I don't know her or anything. But I took the quiz, and it said, according to her research, 25% of people are highly food addicted. 50% um, are kind of in the middle where they have some, but they can somewhat control it. And 25%, it's not an issue for them. They don't right. even think about food. I was 10 out of 10 highly food addicted. <laughs> it didn't surprise me because I knew that that would be the case. So it's I have to work on extra tricks for myself, which is why when my patients come in, some of them it's easy. I could tell they're not as food addicted, but right. some are like me and we have to really hold our hands together and really do this. So Yeah, because it's easier sometimes to just take the bite than to go through the mental anguish of two hours yeah. of food craving. And you and I talked about this, yeah. right? It's people say like, oh, do something else and distract yourself and it'll go away. But it doesn't go away. It seems intensify. Yeah. And so then you think, oh, I'll just have the bite and I'll get over with. But that one bite leads to more bites, to more bites, to more bites. Yeah. It never ends with just that one bite. So, um, yeah, I found the best thing is just to not have it around. And I break my food addictions by eating um, like extra sweet vegetables or, or fruit instead of fruit instead of um, the sweets that I might be craving. And after, it used to be about two weeks. Now it's about two days. It's gone. The food addiction's gone again. Like Wonderful. five. Yeah, so um, it does get better over time. So, 
Yeah. And then, then when I'm not eating it, I don't have it anymore. It completely goes away. Yeah, I've cut back on my stevia as well because that I thought was no sugar. So um, it was triggering my brain to yeah. crave more sweets. Yeah. So I'd finish my tea with stevia and I'd be craving sweets. Yeah, it's almost better. And that's what I work on with my patients. No sweets mm. versus a little because that little bit is going to keep your mind wanting more and then yeah. it's willpower. Oh, yeah. no, I don't want to have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you have none, it goes away. Like I don't, yeah. I don't think about it anymore right now. Until I have the next bite, which I'm not going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Christina, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Do you have any final thoughts or how could people find you? Um, I have a website. It's eatandlivehealthfully.com. Good. And so they can connect with me there. And then my website is chris at eatandlivehealthfully.com. And my last uh, words would be to just remember that if you're not feeling well, if you don't like where you, what's going on with your body, that you can take it into your own hands and you can... Your body can get better. Whatever that means for you, it can definitely do some healing. So Love that. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, check out AspenTalksHealth.com. I'll put up all that contact information as well. And you can subscribe there to my newsletter. All right. Thanks for tuning in.